Welcome to the first ever episode of the Prairie Perspective Podcast. Matt here and alongside me is Eric and Dinush. And on today's episode, we catch up with Justin Dunk of 3downnation.ca to look at Thursday's CFL draft and a trio of University of Saskatchewan Huskies draft hopefuls, the potential impacts of COVID-19 on the youth sports and CFL seasons, Canadian quarterbacks, and conclude the episode with his thoughts on Western University. Justin was awesome for taking the time to set this up and be our first ever guest. So big thanks goes out to him. All right, boys, before I start, we just got to say a good old fuck Western for our boy Justin Dunk. Yeah. Fuck Western is right. Follow what's kicking. How's food ops treating you? Oh, food ops, unreal. Sales, unreal. Everything's just unreal, man. Business, Business is booming. Is booming. Love oh, it. yeah. Maybe likes to say. Business is booming. I'm only worried about the retail, so remember that. Dibala, what's kicking in the rap world? Dude, Kodak's been trying to come out of prison for a long time, man. They ain't going to free him, bro. Dude, the guy took the wrong turn at the border, and now look where he is. He's in jail. He's with the boys. YWN Melly, too. That guy's in jail, too. He's got coronavirus, man. He's down to 80 pounds. He's begging for release, but they're not releasing him. Good. I don't think he deserves to be out. Yeah, WIN Melly, man. He's a murderer, man. First-degree murder. So how does he get out? No, he's not. They didn't. They didn't approve, man. He's not gonna get out. But like, like he uh, wants jet, jet ski six nine. He thinks he should go to jail. He's out, man. What? How? Yeah, dude, six nine. Dude, six nine got released. That's why what WNY Melly is trying to get released, bro. I thought six nine started like a. Nah, they gave him home arrest. How? So now the guy's like, I'm gonna do music videos while I'm on home arrest. I should be in jail. But this guy got released, so the other rappers are trying to get released because of this guy. But it's not working out right now. Matty J, this guy's pretty white, man. So he probably doesn't know these guys, man. He's probably he's just sitting there hands back. <laughs> you guys heard of Shania? Yeah, oh yeah, man. That's more Matt's type, man. Dude, that's no lie, the only concert I've ever been to. Shania Twain. Oh buddy. Oh no, sorry, I went to that one country concert, but I went to a couple, eh? But he doesn't remember how. Yeah, I I didn't really uh see any of the concert. I saw a lot of toilet <laughs> bowl. Dude, Eric, man, if T Grizzly comes to Sashka, are you gonna come? Of course, we're going. Front row of VIP. And he's going on tour once Corona's over. No way. Think he yeah, comes but, to any chance? Uh, he could, because he's not, like, too big, but he's big, you know? So he could still come to Stoon. Don't like, call me Pump. Would he be, like, a SAS Center guy? Or like, yeah, SAS Center guy. Uh, not probably. a Coors event? No, not a Coors event. There's some big guys they've had, like, Tory Lanez was at Coors. Tory, but when he came to Coors, he was uh, kind of under... Okay. He wasn't main. He wasn't so main. Tigers is that big, eh? Actually, that Rich the Kid guy came to Coors like a couple. Yeah, Rich the Kid wasn't that big either, man. He's Rich the Kid was. He's got songs with like Quavo and the Migos. He's I like, know, I know, but he, he dropped an album like not too long ago. Now, now he's pretty big. But like when he first when he came, he wasn't too big. You know, he only had the one song, which was uh, that song called Splash or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you gonna sing yeah. it for us or what? Dude, I can't remember the lyrics off top. Oh, of my head. that's a lie. That's a lie. Something oh. like. Something with uh, Splish Splash, you know? <laughs> splish Splash. Let me let me search him up. I'll play a little uh, beat for the boys. Rich the Kid. He's actually sick. He dropped a sick album, actually, not going to lie. Dinesh, what, what was his biggest song? Uh, just give me a sec. Rich the this Kid. This one. Plug Walk. No, no. Splashing. Splashing, bro. That's better, man. This I song. like that song better. This is my trick. This ain't Kanye. Yeah, no. you wouldn't get a million. Why you signed that? You wanna fuck? I declined that. 
That's probably one of the top bars, man. Pat, why don't you get a dog? Why are you getting cats instead of dogs? What's your deal with cats? Why not dogs? Man, dogs are overrated. Dude, cats are useless. Man, cats are low maintenance. Cats yeah. are dumb shit. Dude, oh, they take man. up space, man. No, they take up no space. They, they don't, don't leave sh- the house. They don't need to shit. They just go in their box. Yeah, but you got to clean their box. You got to clean just... it. You got to buy litter, man. You have to get fish, man. See, like, at least Hard they dog fish out here. outside, then you can leave it. Isn't that what they eat for supper? Tuna? Fish. <laughs> <laughs> what? Isn't that what cats eat for supper? Tuna? No. They eat cat food, Dinesh. Yeah. No, I swear to God, they eat tuna and shit too, though. Dude, <laughs> Maybe cats you are go dust, to town on little Dineshi. <laughs> when I go to Matt's house, I need a six-meter radius from the cat. Yeah, lock that thing up. Practicing social distancing, eh? Dude, yeah, like that cat's pissed me off. Macy! Fucking running around the house searching. Come here, kitty, 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 kitty. Have you actually heard her say that before? Because that's exactly what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Time now to kick it over to our interview with Justin, presented to you by our friends at FNA. When asked the question, are you in or in the way, do you respond FNA? Founded in 2019 by a trio of Canadians, FNA attempts to inspire the pursuit of a no-bars-held lifestyle. The brand has been coined everything from new wave streetwear, athletic apparel, party attire, and even outdoor-driven. FNA seeks to stress they are more than an apparel company, but a way of living. No matter the circumstance, you can always say FNA. Check them out today at fna.us. That's F-N-E-H.us. It's time now to welcome the inaugural guest of the Prairie Perspective podcast, sports anchor at CHTH-TV in Hamilton, managing editor at Can Contributor of 3downnation.ca, where he covers all things football, and not to mention former quarterback of the Guelph Griffins, Justin Dunk. Thanks for joining us. Boys, that's way too long of an intro. Good to kick it with you. <laughs> Uh, not a shortage of topics to talk about here. It's a huge weekend for Canadian football. Chase Claypool, Neville Gallimore, each drafted on day two. I'm assuming you've been following these players for a couple of years now. When did you start to realize, like, hey, these kids aren't playing in Canada anytime soon. They're going to be playing on Sundays. To be honest, man, I can go all the way back on Neville Gallimore. I'll start with him because he was a Canada prep, which was a program that ran out of St. Catharines, Ontario. And I remember the coaches there and scouts that were looking at him from the NCAA telling me, hey, you got to remember this kid. He's got NFL-type talent. So that was pretty much when he was in high school. And almost the same for Chase Claypool. When he was being recruited by NCAA schools, there were people telling me that, you know, hey, look at this kid. His attitude is just different than everyone else. He's so focused on football. And he already had that athleticism. And as you can see, he's grown into his body. So we can go all the way back to, you know, initially when they were going into the NCAA. Dipping focus to football north of the border. Big week with the CFL draft taking place on Thursday. Among your many roles, you provide color commentary for Canada West. And you made numerous trips to Griffiths here in Saskatoon. What are your expectations and what are you hearing regarding the trio of uh, highly touted Huskies and Matlin Riley, Nicholas Daly, and Colin Clawson? First of all, man, love Griffiths in Toontown. Quickly became my favorite destination. I'll say that quietly. But out west, to be quite honest, I had high hopes for you know Vancouver and Winnipeg and Calgary, obviously. But every time I came to Toontown, it was like there was something different to eat there. The food is underrated. What's your spot? Oh, my gosh. 
I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was a Korean place that Darren Dupont took me to. Sticks and Stones, maybe? That's it. That's, yeah, that's the one. Shit. My man, it's really good. So shouts to Dupont for showing me some of the food there. But as you said, for the Huskies that are going into the draft, I feel like Matlin Riley's probably the guy that comes off the board first. He's a physical, tough, nasty offensive lineman. To be honest, I'd be surprised if he wasn't picked within the first couple of rounds probably in the second round seems to be his sweet spot maybe he slides to the third Nick Daly I really feel like gone under the radar a little bit he's a guy that can give you some situational pass rush ability but in terms of special teams he's going to be dynamic with the way he can run down the field and how physical he is and Colton Clawson there's varying ways that scouts look at him but the positives are that he's so competitive He's fierce. He's tough. He's physical. He always is giving you 110%. And yes, that's cliche, but there are guys that take plays off. Colton never does. And you can tell that by the way that he's come back from the broken leg and he's already running. I heard that he ran a 4-6-40 for teams in terms of a virtual pro day before the draft. So I believe all three of those guys will be drafted and probably the order is Riley Daly Clausen. Do you think that injury, like, with the whole COVID situation, do you think that impacts him at all? Or do you think the virtual pro days are able to make up for that? It's tricky to tell. I mean, some teams are probably happy that the combines didn't happen and that Colton couldn't go there and show what he has because if he would have at least even got to interact with some teams, let's say the Western regional, that probably would have boosted his stock. So it really depends on how you went about it. But at the end of the day, you put on the film and that's what scouts are going to be drafting off of. So I think, from that factor alone, that probably benefits Colton Clawson the most. His teams can just turn on the tape and watch this guy go to town, be it at running back, you know, through his career in Saskatchewan or out at receiver or as a returner. Whenever that guy had the ball in his hands, he was making plays. Do you think any of them have the ability to hop in as of next year and make impacts on any of these teams or make any rosters? It honestly depends on how the COVID season breaks down, let's say it, because if we have a shortened year, Let's say that does happen, for example, say in 2020. The training camp's going to be so short that I'm not so sure some of those later picks are going to have the chance to impress. The one guy I would look at for sure is Matlin Riley. I would imagine he'll make a roster. But then you get into that decision process and, you know, maybe a topic that's a little bit ahead, but is U-Sports going to have a season? So if you're a CFL team, would you rather keep him there and developing? And, yeah, maybe he's on the practice roster – or if there's no other football to be played, it's probably best for him to stay with his team. The one guy I think could have an instant impact is Nick Daly because of what I think he can do on special teams. I think that guy could line up from day one and be you know, potentially a core four special teamer, as scouts kind of say in the biz. And I even think Colton Clawson has some special teams ability. But I think as far as a legitimate impact next year, Daly would have to be number one. I'm curious about how CFL teams evaluate offensive linemen. Like, obviously, tackles are more highly regarded but for nationals when internationals are often brought in to play the bookend like how is that evaluated in drafts well it's kind of tricky right because you look at guys that have that ability as canadians to play offensive tackle and sometimes it almost works against them it's kind of funny that way because you're like oh well we can kick him inside and he'd be a stud guard so maybe they don't get that proper opportunity at tackle maybe until you actually need it so i do think that it is rare that you see Canadians with the athleticism to play out there. And just for the simple fact of guys who they're going against, we're talking about guys coming from the NCAA that have played in, you know, power five conferences and potentially gone against 
NFL defensive linemen that were rushing at them in college. So it's sort of tricky, but a lot of it is based on athleticism. And then it's just a sheer opportunity and where you go. If you go to a team that their bread and butter is to play Canadian center and two Canadian guards, even if you have that tackle ability, that's probably where you're going to slot in unless they need you to play there in a pinch. But if you go to a team like, let's say, recently the Edmonton Eskimos or some of the franchises like that in the past, but right now it's been mainly the S, they give those opportunities to Canadians, then they can benefit. And I honestly feel like that for almost every position is that a lot of people just get zoned into, okay, well, if you're Canadian, probably got to play on the offensive line. And if you're not, well, maybe you're getting sprinkled in at a receiver and there's the odd linebacker that starts. But I just really feel like Canadians as a whole, they get an opportunity to step up and show what they can do, just the same as an American would, that they could get there one day if you give them the development time. Lots been made about COVID obviously impacting youth sports, but obviously CFL as well. Like if I force you to make a prediction right now, how many games we have this year, what would be your your gut feeling well I feel like it's so tricky because the way that COVID has been spread out in the different provinces might have to make it where maybe you're only playing games within your own conference because there's so many cases in Quebec obviously in Ontario but as you guys know out west Manitoba and Saskatchewan is relatively scarce in terms of the cases yeah. Calgary and Alberta and Edmonton I should say sort of have a bit of a bigger issue and Vancouver was spiking but it seems like it's coming down if you had to put me on the line right now it's so hard to say because the season is short already that if you had to go down to let's say six or four games I really don't feel like that would constitute a season you could get away with six but I sort of get the sense that people are leaning towards possibly having no season and I would sort of side with that although if you can play just within your own conference, then I think football is probably more likely to happen. So it depends on the decisions up top. Let's say hypothetically, if teams are only going to play within their own conference and maybe we just have conference championship games this year and no interconference and Vanier Cup, then I think there'll be games played. Maybe six, see where the disease is at, you know, in August, decide based off there. But if we're talking about interconference schedule, then at this point, it's just so hard to say the unknown. I would say it sucks, man, but there might not be Canadian university football. Yeah. Um, looking forward as to um, future of the CFL, um, how do you think the COVID pandemic um, affects the expansion in the near future here? If it's at all. Slowing down a little bit for sure in terms of the Atlantic schooners. And I just think it might make the timeline a little longer because there seemed to be a ton of momentum, right? They got the key vote in December out there and got the, $20 million potentially from the Halifax regional municipality. That was a big one to get because a lot of people didn't even think that one would pass. So if they can continue that momentum and also deal with the switch now, because Anthony LeBlanc gets a job with the Ottawa senators. And now, as you guys know, Gary Drummond, who's from out in the prairies is going to take over sort of that lead role. So I do still think it's a possibility and I don't think COVID necessarily hurts it overall it's just going to take potentially longer to get a final decision. And it really seemed like after HRM voted in favor of giving them that 20 million, if indeed they do get the franchise, that that was the major step. But I think it's going to be elongated and we'll have to see what happens. 
What are you expecting from TSN's broadcast on Thursday? I would imagine that the viewership would be up just because right, we're sitting around looking for fresh sports content. The yeah. interesting numbers to me, let's say, for example, the first round of the NFL draft in Canada, I believe the TV number, you know, I just got it today, was around 180,000, give or take. Now, that's your average viewership. But if you look at the states and the NFL draft set records, it was at like over 15 million for the first round. So I sort of look at that as you know is that just canadians weren't tuning in on tv to watch it on tsn where they're streaming tsn were they streaming you know nfl network where they getting it on the zone is that why the number was down so yeah. i'm really curious to see if that number on cfl is up in terms for the draft i do think it will be up because the cfl just has such a following and it's the only real new content that fans across the country are getting so i think Overall, I would expect numbers to be up. Right on. Um, with uh, Calgary having the first overall pick here um, and then being a pretty solid franchise, what do you think they're going to do with that first overall pick? I know there's lots of talk on uh, the linebacker Jordan Williams out of East Carolina. That dude is a beast, man. He could slot right in there and start for the Stampeders almost from day one. And a lot of people are making the easy comparison and I think in, in some ways it's similar because Alex Singleton yep. came in and he beat out Tank Reed in training camp. He probably should have started from day one. There's a lot of Stampeders that were on that team that would tell you that. So, you know, it's right in front of the Stampeders, but now there's the intrigue of Nathan Rourke, the ultra-productive quarterback from Ohio University. And Dave Dickinson over the years has been a proponent of not giving, I don't want to say, but allowing Canadian quarterbacks to develop in his system and moving them up the chain if they earn the chance. So does Calgary feel like Rourke is one of those guys? He really goes about it in a way that would fit that locker room well. Although I think the Stampeders are looking at a scenario where, hey, Williams is our guy. Maybe BC or Toronto or Edmonton at number four overall. If they want to potentially supplement their O-line, do they look at University of Buffalo offensive lineman Tomas Jack Cordilla as a legitimate prospect that's pro ready and can start right away? And do the Stamps say, hey, maybe we can slide down the board a little bit, still get Williams, pick up some draft capital, maybe trade back up and into an area either to take Rourke or somebody else that they really like? Because I think overall for the CFL draft, and I'm sure the Stamps are thinking this, that if you have a shortened year, and we sort of touched on it earlier with the Huskies guys, you're just not going to have that training camp time to impress. So you'd rather get premium picks. So I do think the Stamps are looking at multiple players. Jordan Williams, certainly top among them. Nathan Rourke could be in that mix as well. And there's a defensive lineman that you got to watch out for. Isaac Adiemi Berglund, an absolute stud. And he's a guy that actually sacked Joe Burrow three times last year when he was at LSU. So we're talking about a guy that can get to the quarterback. Those would be the names that I think right now are in the mix. Carter O'Donnell, the offensive lineman out of U of A, could have been in there, but the amount of money he got in a signing bonus in terms of $25,000 from the Indianapolis Colts when he signs that deal makes me think that he's going to get a real shot down south. So I think you know those are sort of the handful of guys that the Stamps are looking at. Why do you think Dickinson is so much more willing, per se, to give Canadian quarterbacks a chance? And talking to Dave over the years and seeing what he's done with his Dave Dickinson passing academy, let's say that he runs in 
Calgary. I think he's seen that there's talent there. It's just maybe the fact that Canadians, because of our winters, don't have the opportunity to throw the football year-round like they do in the States. And guys are finding ways around that, right? And there's more and more indoor places where guys can throw. So I think he's seen that the talent is there, and especially in Calgary. There's been a number of guys over the years, not just at the UFC, but even coming out of Calgary. Chris Merchant, the Western University quarterback, pops to mind. He was a guy last year that got a shot with the Montreal Alouettes and won a Vanier Cup. So I think Dickinson sees that talent. And then also... They're so close with the Dinos program there that he sees that it's run literally very much the same way the stamps run their program. It's a pro program. I really believe that. So he can see that they're putting in the work. And if he believes that they're going to go about it the right way, that if they have the talent, he'll give them the opportunity. So I think it's just maybe him sort of being Canadianized, if you will, that he's been in Calgary for so long and he can look at these guys and say, Hey, Andrew Buckley, we're going to keep him, but we're going to cut Ricky Stanzi, who used to play at the University of Iowa and was in the NFL, but we're keeping Buckley because flat out he's better and he's played the Canadian game. I think that really matters to Dickinson. You ever give him the gears? Why do you, you didn't get a shot? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I have not done that. And to be truthfully honest, back in the day, I probably didn't deserve one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> A lot has been made with the NFL drafts, uh, teams' inabilities to get to meet players in person and attend pro days due to uh, COVID-19. So obviously up here in Canada, we saw a lot of canceled pro days and combines. So what do you think uh, the effects will be on that regarding the draft? It might be a more true reflection of the best football players being drafted instead of the athletes getting overdrafted, if you will, because you guys have seen it every year, be it the NFL Combine or the CFL Combine. Those athletes come to there, rip it up. But maybe they're just that. Maybe they're just athletes, and there's a reason why that didn't translate or correlate over to production at the U sports level or sometimes even some of the lower levels of the NCAA or guys that were at big NCAA Division I schools that didn't have tons of production. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference is that Scouts are largely going off the tape because that's what they can look at with their eyes. They know the level of competition. And instead of trusting a hand time by, let's say, Colton Claussen's buddy, even though I'm sure the coaches did it or Joel Lipinski ran it out there, it's just the fact that the scouts aren't there and can't compare it to past times because some of these guys have been in the business for so long. So they know if they've timed, let's say, Chris Traveler at 4-4, that that would correlate to trans or translate over, I should say, to timing, let's say, a Nathan Rourke at 4-6 or, or whatever he might run in the 40. So I think it's going to be the fact that they're watching the tape and the actual real best football players will be taken in that order. And also, uh, we've heard in the recent weeks that leagues uh, rely heavily on ticket revenue and obviously cities like Calgary banning events till the end of August. How nervous uh, are you about the health of the CFL like regarding this? Yeah, a little bit, man. It's honestly... <sighs> For guys that like Canadian football, a little disturbing because you hear the talk behind the scenes and it's almost like, you know, one day is positive. And I'm talking about like general managers, coaches and players and even league employees. And then the other day it swings and some days it starts off positive and it swings to the negative. So overall, you know, it would be ultra difficult for the CFL, I think, to try to play games that they didn't have fans in the stands. They have a solid TV deal with TSN and pays them about 50 million per season but that's going to cover all your costs. So I think Mark Cohan, the former commissioner, had a salient point the other day. He did a radio interview, I believe, with uh, CJME out there, CKOM, I guess, up where you guys are. Yeah. And he essentially said, 
you need to find a way to cut your costs so that if you do play games that are only going to be on TV, that way you can actually have a potentially a better profit margin is what you're hoping for. And maybe you don't lose as much money. So is there a way that, you know, potentially you can try to cut costs at every spot across the board, keep the league going, play games, give TSN content, and also keep the league alive. I think that's what really needs to be looked at. So, you know, as far as the optimism for a season, you know, I sort of go back and forth all myself, all by myself too, guys. It's like, you know, you hear from some people and they're kind of positive and you hear that the curve is flattening and everyone's kind of staying at home. But then you start thinking about, well, the new world that we're going to live in, you know, people talk about getting back to normal. It's not going to be normal when we come out of this, right? Because people are going to be so worried about it spreading, especially if we don't have a vaccine. So I'm just curious how the CFL is going to go about that, potentially quarantining players, putting them in hotels, because I don't think they have the type of money that the NFL or Major League Baseball or, or the NHL does. Justin, just a couple quick ones here. I don't know if you can see or not, but I'm wearing the good old Sasky jersey with the G-Roy on the back. Oh, love uh, it. Love yeah. it. Digging it. Repping it out here in Pill Country. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask your opinion. I think the boys are making the Grey Cup this year on home soil. You guys put me on the spot on a bunch of these, eh? <laughs> well, there's a chance, I should say, first of all, that you know maybe the Grey Cup isn't played or they shift it, and if they do – Maybe it's not there, but we'll say in your example that the Great Cup does happen as planned in November. And I think the riders right now are pretty well positioned to give themselves a real shot to be there with obviously Corey Fajardo locking in a quarterback, Shaq Evans, they retain that offensive line. I think, you know, is largely intact and they're looking to go a little younger there, which was smart. I really think Kyron Moore is one of the underrated playmakers in the league. You got Willie Powell and then they've signed a bunch of, former NFL running backs to stock that backfield and over on defense pretty much everyone is back and it felt like the real big one was Cameron Judge just because he's such a ratio breaker so I think overall even though some people might look at what Saski did last year and say ah well you know Bo Levi Mitchell was hurt and the Lions had a first year coach and Winnipeg might have got hot at the right time and went on a run and that Saskatchewan's first place in the West division in the regular season was maybe a little bit lucky because at that time the bombers were going at it with Strevler and they weren't really sure what they're going to do at quarterback. So I do think that Saskatchewan has built to compete in the short term in the long term. If I had to bet on them being in that game in home soil, I think honestly, I might put a shiny nickel down on it because I, I feel like, like to hear. yeah, man, I just feel like, with what they've done in the continuity, especially if we have a shortened season, that it could happen. All right, just two quick questions. Um, are you a Fantus Flakes guy or a big Dario's guy? I got to go Fantus Flakes, man. Ontario boy. Let's go. Uh, and then uh, what are your thoughts on Western? As a university or a football team or what? We were yeah, hoping to get two words out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have learned that it's one thing to be – on TV playing and hyped up, you can say whatever you want. But if you want to be in this business for the long haul, you probably shouldn't swear on TV. But uh, in all honesty, that week leading into the game, you know, I've told some people sort of off air, I should say, but it doesn't really matter. That, that was our breakdown all week, man. That that was what we said in the breakdown. One, two, three, every single time. <laughs> when you're in those moments, boys, like, it's just like you're, you know, FTB for the boys. You're with the exactly. boys. You're trying to win this game. You make a yeah. big play. And, Hey, the camera was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm surprised you young guys know about that. 
<laughs> Let's be real. You don't regret it, though, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, you can follow Justin on Twitter at jdunk12 and check him out at 3 Down Nation. Thanks, Justin. We really appreciate you taking the time. Keep pumping out. Yeah, boy, stay safe out there, man, honestly, and appreciate you having me on. And uh, I hope, to be honest, that there is a university season, obviously CFL season, but I'd love to get back to Toontown and um, see some ball out there and enjoy some of the food and just get past all this corona stuff. Yeah, exactly. Again, shout out to Justin for coming on. That was unreal. He brought the heat. Uh, Big report of the score today. Five-star recruit. Deshaun Nix has decommitted from UCLA. Plans to join in the NBA G League for a deal in the range of 300k. Boys, is college hoops going under? It will be in the next three years. That's a stupid take. That's a stupid fucking take. It's going under in the next three years. I think people are just going to stop watching it. If dude, people watch college basketball for big names during the season. No, they don't. That's a lie. The yeah, during dog? the season, hundred percent. Oh, during the season, maybe you can make the argument, but I think you look at it from a Canadian perspective. I think in America, college basketball will be forever awesome. People have bigger allegiance to their alma maters in the states. There's a connection to your school. Um, but if guys frankly, like the college basketball is just fucking awesome. Dude, There's ESPN's gonna awesome lose ratings and shit, man. The only reason they got high ratings is because of these big names playing on their on their national exactly. TV, man. All these big names down the road when they start. Not you don't watch there? March Madness because NBA players are playing. You watch because the games. Yeah, are Yeah, but I'm not talking March Madness. I'm talking regular season, man. March Madness, people watch regardless because it's March Madness. Like that tournament, yeah, it's hype. Nobody. Well, all I know is during the season, man, it's gonna decline. Like uh, viewers, that type of shit's gonna decline because people watch the ESPN national TV 7 p.m. game. Still gonna be a connection from the NBA to the like NCAA, there's still going to be NBA prospects. Like, not every single high school kid is going to go the G League route. Maybe yeah, what, what Eric and I are saying, it. I think, is like like down if the road, come more and more people are going to try to go that G League route overseas. Why not? Why not if you can make 300K out of college or out of high school? Dude, like, no, crazy. no, that, that argument, because like, if you, if you don't play good, you get sewered, man. Okay, but say you come out of high school and you're making 300K. And then you, you know, don't okay, end up for one season. NBA. That's still a lot of money to be making out of high school. True, true, no man. There's not, that's the one option, but they could play, also go overseas. To school. Yeah, they play overseas, China, Europe, exactly. Australia. So, like, I don't think G League is going to be the only thing, but, like, no. players are going to start choosing the professional. I heard, heard LaMelo's ball contract was over 500. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, these options have been out there before. Like, I'd argue that, like, no, not the G League one. The G League one. No, no. I'm saying professional options have been out there before. Oh yeah. And I'd but say now, that playing, playing overseas or playing in Europe is actually a better learning experience. You're playing against probably better competition, at least in some leagues like Euro leagues. And yeah, like you're you're going part. across the world. It can be a good learning experience for a young guy to leave the country and. For sure, I think uh, last year R.J. Hampton and Lamelo took the jump. They said they're going to play overseas. They didn't uh, play college basketball. And this year, Isaiah Todd, Jalen Green, and then this guy from UCLA that you mentioned are going playing. So each, I think, and there's going to be a couple other guys that are going to probably do that too in this year's scouting, like uh, high school. Uh, oh, for sure. They're just I, I think this year can be a bit different, though, because of the COVID implications. I think that obviously there's a lot of uncertainty regarding the college season. Like, who knows if colleges are even on campus, how that affects college athletics. So 
maybe there's a bit more certainty with G League. Obviously, NBA teams need to have those systems running. The but... thing is with these G Leagues and stuff, like they, they get that salary, but they also get like uh, a work, like a personal trainer and shit outside of their team that like just trains them to like get stronger and shit. They got that going for them too. So you don't but... think they have that at colleges, Dinesh? You know, the resources at institutions yeah. like Duke? Yeah, but like with the money and stuff, like it always basically, yeah, the money is a big uh, hindrance. To what? To uh, people staying in college. Like Eric was saying, man, making 300K. That's a lot of dough. Hell, I'll take 300K every day out of high school. Yeah, like you go, it's you're like to see how many more people the NBA team will sign. Like, do they? Because obviously, there's a lot of questions regarding NBA revenue right now. They're not collecting. How many of these high school kids do they sign? Right? Yeah, they don't offer everyone, but out of like five star recruits are the top 25 players in the country. Correct. So, out of the 25, so there's still going to be a lot of five stars that are going to college. Out of the 20, yeah, this year, yeah, but I'm saying out down the road, I'm saying at least like. 60% of them are going to go play overseas or pro. Look at the amount of high-end NBA prospects in this year's draft that weren't playing in college. It's college at least sold. seven of the top ten, isn't it? Like, it's high, at least over yeah. five. Yeah, if you include Wiseman, probably. A lot of guys playing in Europe. Obviously, mm-hmm. Lamelo. if you include Hampton in that bunch. All I know uh, is... I yeah, Anthony Edwards. Well, Wiseman technically played college hoops, but... I mean, he played one game. I wouldn't really include him. That doesn't count. Oh, yeah, one game. Then he said, I'm peacing. Oh, Nathan, I think the uh, Greystone basketball uh, team could be playing uh, Division One basketball next year based on this if all the top dogs leave. I could well, be I think, starting. Uh, the boys could be starting for Michigan next year. Yeah, dude, because Isaiah Todd just decommitted, man. He's going to play in the G League, so they need a spot there. Oh, dude, that was UCLA. No, Isaiah Todd, Michigan guy oh. decommitted too. Okay. He committed to Michigan, and a week later, he found out about G League, decommitted, and signed with G League. <laughs> I think that's better look for the NBA, though, also. Because you're getting these top prospects in your um, – basically, you're, you're one down of the NBA League, right? Yeah. Like, uh, we'll see how it pans out, but I think this during the season, NCAA, like, down the road will take a hit. A little bit. A sure. little bit. There'll still be quality players, but not the – not the top, top end guys, I think. Yeah, not the top, top end guys. There'll still be a lot of, like, four-star recruits and shit that are really good. Mm-hmm. And some five, but I'm thinking, like, in three, four years, majority of the fives are going to go play overseas or pro. Like, make money, man, and while they well, play. Well, it'll be interesting to see, does the NCAA, if those issues are persisting where the top end guys aren't coming and they end up taking hits, maybe they reevaluate their model and maybe players do get paid, right? Yeah, and be, yeah. If that, and that the other aspect of things that – I believe it's 2022 or 2021, the NBA, you're going to be able to go straight from high school again. So, Oh, that'll be awesome. Then kids are going to start doing that. So then I think – So then it'll be interesting. Does that G League model still exist? Are they still going to do that with high school kids? Or does that kind of go out the window and it's pretty much either you go college or I guess you go pro somewhere else before? If that's the case, if it comes out – if you're saying that uh, they come out with a uh, straight to NBA road, like back in the day. No, then, it's um, happening. It, yeah, it's happening. Then yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure then the G League thing will will uh, get thrown out. Yeah. I think it's a temporary thing, that G League. For sure. Yeah. 
And then in that case, dude, a lot of guys are going to go straight straight to the draft. They'll declare right out. Like, you know, some guys are just like think they can make it. And then if they don't, they'll go grind it out in the G League. But like, Dude, do you know the salaries in the G League? You're making 25 grand. That's a pretty big risk. 25 grand, but everything's paid for a living. Flight. Like, yeah, everything's paid 25 for. 25 still ain't nothing when you're getting all that stuff. 25 ain't nothing. True. But Why would you just guys play have been playing in the G League for a while, man. That just grinded out there. So. But. I don't know. I don't think you're going to have that many kids going straight from high school to the NBA person. I think it'd be like, less than five a draft, don't you think? Yeah, I would be guessing, like, no more than ten. Because you're still going to have guys that are playing in college that boom. Like, right? If you have a big year, exactly. sophomore. Like, I don't, I don't know. Not every kid is a five-star recruit coming out of high school that ends up being a good NBA player, right? Like, 18 being drafted, that's pretty damn run young. Like, you aren't fully yeah. developed yet. You got lots of growing still to do. Yeah, you look at a guy you, like – you look like a – guy like Obi Toppin, the Dayton forward, he's he's 22. He's going to be a top five pick in the draft, probably. Exactly. And your high yeah, that guy grinded it out. That's garbage. High school competition is awful compared to all these, these other leagues you actually get exposed to. Well, yeah, but high school competition in the States is, is uh, like fairly decent for, yeah, for its I mean, level. It's nothing for its level. NCAA. Nothing compared, compared to college, but for its level. You're playing against way older guys. You're playing against a lot of cases, a lot of teams are mainly comprised of upperclassmen playing against 23, 24-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure, man. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be uh, interesting to see down the road what things are looking like. But, yeah, maybe like two or three guys, or not even, maybe two guys declare for the draft out of high school. I think it's just premature to say that the NCAA is over, but I think it's a yeah, bit of a hot take, and I think people are. I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I just think it's going to take a bit. It's not going to go away, but I think down the road it's going to de like the season like their numbers are going to decline during the season down the road. We're going to look at it less highly. Well, I think we'll cap it there. That is episode number one of the Prairie Perspective Pod in the books. Thanks for tuning in. We're hoping to have another episode out in the coming days here featuring an interview with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, national prospects writer. We talk hockey, we talk draft, and he gave some super insightful answers, really went in depth, and you'll want to check it out. Until then.